You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the POD cast. We are back at it. We are a week after the draft. We are nice and rested. We are ready to give you a full show and very excited about tonight's show. We got a lot of games ahead of us. We're going to have a really fun episode. We're only going with a duo tonight, which means we're going to get intimate. We're going to get we're going to get into it. My name is Jeremy Rice. <laughs> what? No, no, go for it. What were what are you about to say? Into uh, it. But oh, to over. We're, yeah, we're gonna have to like put it to bed. We're gonna have to play it one more time. I'm, not not right now, but it has to come up naturally for us to kind of send our goodbyes to the Tua theme. But before we get to any of that, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor at Pride of Detroit. I'm the interim coach of this podcast. I will be with you all night tonight, and with me will also be here all night is Ryan Matthews. At Ryan underscore pod. He also says hi to his mom tonight, according to his little <laughs> overlay here. Ryan, yeah. how are you doing, bud? I'm I'm doing great. I mean, there's a lot of talk of just two of us. We're all gonna we're, we're both gonna be here all night long. This is getting really romantic. I'm glad yeah. that you're setting the scene for us to talk about Jared Davis's fifth year ex- <laughs> option not being accepted. That was one of the most awkward transitions. So I'm not gonna take it yet. I'll, instead, I'll light a candle behind me and just make it even more romantic. Turn down okay. the lights. I, 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 I hear Marvin Gaye in the background. <laughs> We're all spending all of our lives at home right now. You got to save on electricity. Turn down the lights. Light a little candle while you're listening to this POD cast. Why wouldn't you? Ooh, this sounds really nice. <laughs> and Chet's already roasting. He says, it looks like you showered today, which I think is, is insinuating you don't normally look like you shower. Well, actually, I've done the opposite of showering. I just got back from like a 12-mile bike ride, so I guess I should be more unkempt more it just often. Got, it just got a lot less romantic in here. <laughs> got a little bit more pungent, but not less romantic. Okay. On my okay. Well, you know what? Now, Now's the time we talk about what we're going to talk about on the show today. You hinted at it. Uh, the one news of the week, Jared Davis didn't get his fifth year option picked up. We'll talk about that in a second. Then after that, we're going to talk rookie expectations. We're going to go through each rookie uh, draft pick, not, not the UDFAs, and talk about our expectations for them. And we're going to do so in a fun way. We're going to do over-unders. So we're, I'm going to set a number, and then we're going to have to say whether we think it's going to be over that number or under that number in terms of their rookie performance. Sound fun? Bovada King 69 approves. He may make an appearance. We'll see. But first, let's get to um, the the more the less fun news. Uh, Jared Davis yeah. did not get his fifth year option picked up. Um, not coming as much of a surprise, I would say. But, you know, it's it's, it's never a good thing when something like this happen, happens to the franchise, even when it's the right move. 
Um, it, it's it's a sense of failure in a way. Um, I wouldn't say this is necessarily the the beginning of the end for Jared Davis. There's always a chance that he balls out this year and and they re-sign him to to a regular deal. But I don't think there's a realistic uh, outcome here in 2020 in which Jared Davis shows that he's worth the 10 million that would would have cost the Lions to exercise that, that fifth year option. Am I right? Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think to double down, if Matt Patricia is the head coach next year, I don't think there's any way that Jared Davis is a Detroit Lion. I just don't think he's a very good fit schematically. I think they've kind of done everything they can to edge him out of, you know, being a part of the roster. And I think this is really Bob Quinn not compounding um now, I don't even want to call Jared Davis a mistake. I want to, I want to call Jared Davis a miscast because after Terrell Lawson's defense, he just wasn't for, for, for all the fluff, all the talk we got about Jared Davis being, you know, this like leader and everything like that. I don't think that he ever really fit this defense in, in quite the way that he needed to because of his size. And I, you know, you mentioned whether or not, maybe Jared Davis becomes, you know, balls out and becomes a member of the Detroit lions moving forward. Even if he doesn't, he's going to be a highly sought after free agent. I can almost guarantee that because there's somebody who's going to be really interested in his athleticism and his awesome attitude. And he's going to find somewhere to play in, in 2021 or whenever we're playing football. Yeah, I, there are a couple things you said there that I don't completely agree with. I'm not sure if he's really going to be that hot of a commodity. Obviously, the athletic profile is alone is, is something that people will take. Like he won't be out of the NFL next next year. I, I think no that way. much is clear. Um, but I I think he might struggle to to really latch on with his team because I mean the problems that he had weren't physical. They were all mental, right? And that's that's the hardest thing to fix. And I mean, you can say, here's the thing, and, and you, can, you can take Bob Quinetta's word or not, but last year, this is what he said about Jared Davis in terms of his fit with the new scheme. He said, quote, it's really unique that, re, really unique that fortunate, I'd say, that we were able to get Jared Davis a couple drafts ago. He can really play any defense, which is great. We drafted him for a previous defense, but he's a really good fit in what we do now. And but, come on. you don't believe it? That's the snake oil salesman. Come on. Maybe. I mean, he's, he certainly isn't like the, the 250, 260 guy that, that we know this, this regime likes, but he's got a lot of athletic traits. He's big, he's strong, he's, he's fast. Um, but I just think it, it's always been a mental thing with him. And um, it, it's certainly not uh, a motivational thing. That's not what I mean by mental. It's just, he seems to process things a little too slow and, and get himself out of bad positions. And, and he never really seemed to harness all of his athletic skills into something positive. So I, th- I think someone will take a chance on him. I, I find it. I mean, unless, unless the lines somehow find a role for him where he can harness all that this year, maybe, you know, being with a veteran guy like Jamie Collins, who's, who's been in this uh, scheme before has a little more experience and then probably can teach him more than anyone else who's been in the scheme for the past two years can, Maybe something positive happens, but I, I really don't see it. And I'd really, I, I mean, it, it's hard to, to come down on a guy who's, you know, a, a former first round pick and still pretty young, even though three years into his, uh, his NFL career. I just, I, I, I feel like every offseason we're like, well, maybe like now that, now that this is in place, maybe he turns around. Maybe now that he's in his second year in the defense, he turns around. Now that he has a veteran player next to him, maybe he turns around. We're, we're just running out of excuses at this point. And, 
I, I hate I hate to bury a guy's career this early in his in his NFL um, debut and, and and career, but what else can I do at this point? <laughs> like, how, how am I supposed to believe that he's going to turn anything around? Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think you make all great points. I I think I think just maybe a fresh start for Jared Davis somewhere else might be might be a good thing for him. Sure. And I, I was going to say if you could get some kind of scheme where him as a linebacker, he can do a little bit more freelancing, but that that's kind of Jared Davis's problem is that he needs like direction yeah, and he needs, he needs a little bit more, um, a little bit more focused attention in terms of what he needs to be doing. Because when it comes to like play recognition and things like that, I mean, we've seen how, how lacking he is and, and things like that. So what are the odds though, Jeremy, that you would put Jared Davis being with the Detroit lions past next season, like percentage wise, it'd have to be 10 or less percent. I'd, I'd probably say like 5%. Um, like I said, there, there's always a chance that, that something clicks this year. And if not this year, then I, then, I mean, the conditions definitely are best for him right now than they've ever been. But uh, I, I just don't see it happening. And le- the, the one thing that probably works in his favor is it does seem like he really likes it here. And so mm-hmm. he might be willing to take a, a very discounted rate next year. And so, and we know the coaching staff loves him. Like we know they love his work ethic. They love his attitude, but in a lot of ways, he's, he's a lot like, um, I mean, he's a lot like I would say Devon Kennard, you know, like bought in great guy in the locker room leader, but just doesn't have, all the skills necessary to, to get this team to win. So if, if he takes like a one two $2 million deal for one or two years at the end of next year, um, maybe, maybe the lines bring him back as a backup, as a guy that knows the system, as a guy that, that has physical tools that could be a backup. Like what I mean, Jared Davis as a backup on this team. No, certainly better than I, I think what the lines currently have in terms of depth, but mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to get an opportunity. I think he's going to get snaps to to improve and, and show his worth. I think, I think this coaching staff still might believe in him, but um, obviously not enough to hand him ten million dollars for next year. Yeah, all great points. I'm going to say two quick things. One, it's a contract year for him, and uh, not that the guy needs any more motivation because I'm sure that. From from all accounts, it seems like he's a really self motivated person and has a really great attitude. But I mean, the almighty dollar means something. So he's essentially putting out tape for thirty one other prospective teams. So um, I I just think that the likelihood of Jared Davis being a Detroit Lion is probably as as low as you put it, Jeremy, less than ten percent. And with that being said. I still think he's going to be a highly sought after guy. Like he's not going to make a lot of money, but I think that a lot of teams are going to be interested in Jared Davis as a reclamation project. Yeah. Yeah. He's certainly, if, if he leaves the lions, he's certainly going to have more traction than another guy whose fifth year option didn't get picked up. Good old Mitchell Trubisky did not get his fifth year option either. And, never fun to dance on someone's grave, but when it's the, the bears franchise that you're really dancing on and not Trubisky himself, you feel, you feel kind of good about it, right? You feel oh, kind of okay yeah. about it. Yeah. And when, when it's Ryan Pace's grave that you're dancing on too, for making that awful trade on draft day. I mean, we can dance on that grave too. Right. And then he follows it up this draft by drafting a tight end with the team's first pick. 
<laughs> Ryan is dancing for those listening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. All right, we we just had we just had to get that in there before we move on to now the Lions draft. Uh, as I teased at the top, we are going to go through each of the Lions nine draft picks. We are going to set over unders in terms of our expectation. I'm going to give an answer whether it's over under. Ryan's going to give an answer over. Uh, Ryan's going to give an over under answer, and then we're going to let chat play along too. So this is, should be a lot of fun. You ready for this? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm kind of curious if I should if I should kick in some like game show music like we we do some other games. We'll see. I'll leave it up to you, Chris, if you're listening. Uh, let's start it off. We're gonna start with Jeff Okuda, first round pick. Let's start with passes defended. Uh, I'm setting the over under at passes defended in his rookie year at 13 and a half, a pretty high number. But to put that number in context, in the past 10 years, 23 rookie cornerbacks. Have have had at least fourteen passes defended. So I ask you, Ryan, over or under thirteen and a half passes defended for Jeff Okuda in his rookie year? Over. And I'm not being optimistic. I'm being a realist. Think about this. Do you think teams want to challenge Jeff Okuda, or do they want to challenge Desmond Trufant, a guy who has an established track record? I think that they're probably going to want to try to pick on the rookie. So yeah. I think that Okuda is just going to get a ton of opportunities. Yeah. And that's interesting. Cause when I formulated that, I was going through that same mindset and I was thinking, well, if Darius Slate was here, I would definitely take the over. Uh, because yeah. they, because while I, I have respect for, um, I, I, I just, I think Darius Slate has, has more of a reputation right now where it's like, don't throw it at that guy. Whereas Desmond Trufant, it's more like, okay, I can, I can maybe, I mean, he will, he isn't the Desmond Trufant that he used to be. I don't think Darius Slay, well, Lions fans might think that Darius Slay isn't what he used to be. I don't think NFL quarterbacks think that quite yet. So I, th- I think Okuda won't get tested as much. I do think he's going to be CB2 to start the year. So he's going to be up against lesser wide receivers, though. So I think I'm still going to take the over, but it's close. I, I think I think we need to temper our expectations a little bit. Uh, but but 13 and a half is, is a, definitely a manageable number. And we know that they like to throw the ball against this Lions defense. So um, he's going to get his opportunities. I'm looking at the chat. It's about, it's almost 50 50, which means I said a good over under, but I think eh, one, two, three, it's really 50 50. So I guess, hmm. I guess, I guess I set the, I should, I should move to Vegas. Much like a pass opportunity. It's either an incompletion or completion 50 50. I don't know you about like that. that. I think you, I think you need to look about you look look at interceptions. Those those that's a, that's a third option. Well, that counts as an incompletion. I guess I guess that's true from a yeah. quarterback's perspective. Suck it. All right, we're gonna we're, we're gonna speaking of interceptions, we're gonna stick with Jeff Okuda. Three and a half interceptions his rookie year. Now again, let me put this in context. Past ten years, only eleven cornerbacks have had eleven rookie cornerbacks have had more than three in the rookie year. The most was Marcus Peters with eight so over under three and a half interceptions for Jeff Okuda. That's a tough billing to live up. First of all, by Marcus yeah. Peters, like, do you really want to have eight interceptions your rookie year? Because everything else is just downhill. Like a couple of right. passes, I just might bat down. <laughs> um, I'm going to say under, I, yeah. I, that's just a lofty number. I, I think that's a lot. He's going to get his opportunities though. He is, but I don't know. He didn't have a whole lot of interceptions at Ohio state. So I, I think, say. yeah. Um, yeah. 
Let me let me look exactly what his number is, but I don't think he had more than three in a season. So um, he would have to, you know, take a big step. Granted, you play more games in uh, in in the NFL than you do college. Yeah, he only had three in his in his last season at Ohio State. So yeah, I'm also going to take the under, but I th- I think you know if if you're making the argument that he's going to get his opportunities for PBUs, he'll certainly get him for interceptions. And you're when you take a guy three overall, he should kind of be that exception, right? That has really good rookie production. And so I I wouldn't be surprised if he if he takes the over there. But if I were a betting man, and I'm absolutely not because I'm responsible with my money. Pause. Um, <laughs> I'm taking the under. It's just mean and hurtful at this point. (laughs) All right, let's move on to DeAndre Swift. This is an interesting one because Vegas has already set a line for us for this one. So I don't even have to put in the legwork here. Over under 625 rushing yards his rookie season. Now, let me put it in context again. Kerryon Johnson had 641 rushing yards in only 10 games his rookie year. So is DeAndre Swift going to go over or under that total? 625. I'm going to say under. And I'm going to say under because I, Jared Davis isn't going to be the only guy who's playing for a contract. I think like Carrion Johnson needs to have a year because if he doesn't have a year and if he's, you know, saddled with injuries again and whatnot, and he's not productive, that's really going to hurt his stock moving forward. So I think that you're going to see a lot of carry on Johnson. And I also think that Deandre Swift, I think a lot of his damage is going to be done as a receiver. Um, I would even be really interested in seeing a Vegas bet if they even had one, but um, maybe like the odds on more receiving yards than rushing yards for Deandre. Cause I think that that could be a tantalizing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to take the over and wow. maybe, maybe I'm going to carry on Johnson being healthy. I, mean, Shocker. I, I don't believe in that. And I don't believe that this coaching staff has a ton of faith in him either. I mean, you don't draft a guy 35th overall, basically a first, a late first round pick, uh, you know, that same kind of value with that pick when you just drafted a guy in the second round a couple of years ago, like they're, they're planning on moving on. And I don't know they certainly aren't publicly saying it. They're saying, you know, they're, they're going to complement each other nicely and they're all going to have their own roles and blah, 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 blah. DeAndre Swift is this team's running back of the future. And, and while they ease carry on Johnson in his rookie year, I don't think they have the same plans for this guy. I really don't. I think he's going to be maybe not day one. He gets the majority of the touches, but he's going to get some touches. He's going to get a lot of touches. I'm not, I'm not talking 20, 25 carries a game, but if, if carry on Johnson could get to 641 in 10 games, I think DeAndre Swift will easily get there in 16. And I know that I know carry on Johnson came into a different situation where he didn't have, you know, the, the complimentary pieces that the DeAndre Swift will have, but I think that's only going to help him. And uh, yeah. And may, maybe, maybe this is all a reverse jinx. So I don't have to eat the mozzarella sticks uh, <laughs> at the end of the year, but no, I, I think, I think he's going to hit the over and looking at chat again, it's, it's pretty 50, 50 here. Uh, a lot of, I think about five, on each side. So um, not a lot of consensus here. So Vegas, good job on that. Now sticking with DeAndre Swift, we got two more 1000 total yards. So this kind of goes to your receiving thing and, and we're not talking about any special teams yards. So just receiving rushing thousand yards. So they hit it this year over under. Well, if I'm going to take the logic that you all just spit at me, which was pretty sound and reasonable, 
we're only looking at like 400 receiving yards over 16 games. If he plays a, a full slate, mm-hmm. I like that. I'll take the over on total yards from scrimmage at a thousand yards. Yeah. I mean, and if I'm obviously taking over on 650, I got to take the over on a thousand, but definitely less than 1100. No way he gets 1100. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be 1099 and I won't have to eat mozzarella sticks. It's going to be great. Or was it 1200? I don't even remember the bet. It's 1100. It was 1100. Crap. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then over under five and a half touchdowns and we can, we'll, we'll combine rushing and receiving. Touchdowns are just such a crap shoot. Like I would always bet the under and I don't want to be a stick in the mud, but like, look at even Odell Beckham jr. Last year, I think it took him like eight or nine games to get into the end zone. And that guy was a touchdown machine for the giants. I mean, touchdowns are just so finicky. We saw that with Calvin Johnson while he was here. So under. Okay. And by the way, just about everyone said over a thousand total yards and it's looking like most people are taking the under for this one. Uh, you know what? I'm despite all me complaining about this pick, I'm riding the Deandre Swift train. He's going to get the over here. God, why? I don't understand it. See, I, really I, just, either, I, just made, I just made you out to be a sound, <laughs> logical, reasonable man. And then you just, just well, throw all finicky, that right? Like, I mean, it took a while for carry on to get his first. I do understand that. And I just think, and, and, and you know, they do have a Bo, Bo Scarborough who can, who can certainly be a vulture this year, but the fact that he's both the receiving and the rushing threat means he's going to have more opportunities to get in the end zone. He's going to have more touches. So um, five and six is a lot, no doubt, but I think it's certainly manageable. I mean, on, on a lucky day, you can have three. I mean, who's that lines running back who had like two or three in one game last year, just like the random guy was it truck Trey Carson. Yeah. Or was the other guy. Yeah, I mean no, that's no, what no, I think it's like, Trey Carson. You just need one game like that and you're halfway there. Yeah, that's but it. then you could go stone cold for the rest of the season. Nope. Not gonna have oh West Hills. I think it was West Hills. Chat saying it's West Hills. Oh well there, six, I mean, of one, six of one, half a dozen of another. <laughs> has <laughs> anyone has anyone ever seen West Hills and Trey Carson in the same room? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I don't know. Have you, Jeremy? Because we have credentials. <laughs> Sick brag. Yes, I have. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, we went long. Are they the same first person? Time. Yes. <laughs> what they went? I saw them at the same time, uh, but there was a phone booth that one went into before I saw the other. So, Whoa. can't be too sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, like I said, we ran a little long this segment, uh, so we are going to tackle the rest of the rookie class when we come back. So stick with us more over unders when we come back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with the POD cast talking rookie expectations for the Detroit Lions in 2020. Assuming there's a 2020 season. We don't know. Schedule's supposed to come out. That'll be fun to talk about next week. But we'll see when we get there. When we last left you, we were talking about DeAndre Swift, which means time to talk about the Lions. Third round pick. First third round pick, I should say. Julian Okwara. All right. I'm start. Let's just start with participation because uh, I think not everyone is clear on what his role will be in his rookie year and how much participation, how many starts. That's where we're going to start with starts. So I set the over under eight and a half starts for Julian O'Quarr. Is he going to be that Jack linebacker that's immediately thrown in there? Is going to be there at the start of the games? Is he going to be more of like a pass rush specialist where, you know, he's in there on obvious passing downs? Um, where do you stand on eight and a half starts for, uh, did I say Romeo? I hope I didn't. Julian O'Quarr. You did say Julian O'Quara, so okay, you're you're a great host. You're the best. Thank, thank um, you. You're welcome. Uh, positive talk is important. So I don't think he'll start right out of the gate, mm-hmm. but I do think that he's going to earn himself eight and a half starts at least. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over. It might just be nine. It might even be ten. But he's got to work himself into that role. Yeah. I think it's just way too perfect. I think. Maybe he even comes along a little bit more slowly because they want to take it a little bit more slowly with him in terms of, you know, him healing from the broken fibula and everything. But I think that he's obviously uber talented. Alex Reno had a really good Twitter thread go out about him today um, that Jeremy retweeted from the Pride of Detroit account. So you should go check that out. Go find that either on Alex's page or the Pride of Detroit account. But it was, I mean, it's pretty clear that the guy has talent. He has juice. So he should be a participator, right? Yeah. Here's the thing though. Starts is a finicky stat. It literally means if you're in on the first snap of the game, if you're in on the second snap of the game and every other snap, but you miss that first snap, it's not a start. Yeah. So is it as finicky as touchdowns or? It... <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm actually taking the under here because of that. He, because I do think he's, a, I mean, you look at Alex's thread, it's all pass rush, right? It's almost a hundred percent pass rush. And what happens on first down? A lot of teams like to run the ball. So I think the Lions are going to be in more a, a run skilled personnel very first snap of the game. And that probably means Julian O'Quarr is coming off the bench. Um, and, and I think that could last deep into the game. Um, he might be getting 60, 70 percent of the snaps. But I think early on, he's, he's definitely not going to be. I don't think he's going to start at Jack linebacker. I think the Lions would rather have maybe Jamie Collins there for, for some of the snaps they're going to rotate. Um, but on early downs, I just don't think he's going to be in there, which means I don't think he's going to get the starts number, which I don't really think means anything other than, you know, he's, he's not there for early downs right away. And maybe he grows in that role, like you said, but I just don't think um, he, he's necessarily going to hit that number right away. 
Starts only matter to us right now as we make this bet. Other than True. that, they do not matter. <laughs> and and just just so you know, be careful if you're going to compliment Alex right now because he is in the chat. So don't get his head too big after, oh. after all we just said all that stuff. Alex, who? <laughs> Perfect. All right, let's stick with Oquara and now over under six sacks. That's a high number, but again, let me put this in perspective. In the past ten years, twenty rookies have had six plus sacks, either edge rusher or either defensive ends or outside linebackers. The most recently, Josh Allen, Joey Bosa, and Max Crosby all had over ten, and Romeo Carr had seven and a half in twenty eighteen. So is he going to out? Is he going to match his brother? Six sacks rookie year. I, I want you to answer this first. Okay, fair. I'm yeah, I'm with you, Reno. I'm taking the over. I I think I think six. Again, it, it's one of those things where like you can have three in a game and you're halfway there. And and while they they come and go, and obviously the lines didn't get a lot of sacks last year. They they know what they have in Julian Okara, and that's a great pass rusher. So I think they're going to put him in a lot of positions where he does that. He he rushes the passer, and now that they have Trey Flowers out there too, like he can have like one like Trey Flowers is going to command a lot of attention. So that'll free up Okara to do a lot of fun things, and hopefully this this coaching staff puts him in positions to do fun things. And if they do, I think I think he can hit seven eight comfortably. I think he can too. And the reason I wanted you to go first is because I wanted to double check a stat real quick. Devin Kennard mm-hmm. had back to back seven sack seasons. Yeah. So do we think that Julian O'Quara can match those numbers? I think so. I'm going to take certainly a better pass rusher. Yeah, He's certainly a better pass rusher than Devon Kennard is um, right off the bat. Like I think his rookie year, he'll, he'll be, he'll show that he has better pass rushing attributes, more moves, stronger, faster, all the like. Um, so yeah. Good, good pull there. All right, let's move on to the Lions' second third-round pick, Jonah Jackson. Now, there aren't a lot of great uh, guard statistics out there, so we're going to go to PFF here. PFF over-under grade of 67.5. Now, let me put that into context because a lot of people probably don't know what 67.5 sounds like. Last year, here are the grades of the Lions' interior offensive linemen. Ragno, 74.9. Glasgow, 74.1. Joe Dahl, 64.9. Kenny Wiggins, 61.8. And also to consider Frank Ragnow's rookie year, he only got a 65.0. So Jonah Jackson, 67.5 PFF grade over or under. I'm going to take the over. Okay. I'm going to take the over just based on him coming out of Ohio State, touted as a very technical pass blocker in terms of finesse. I think that he's going to have a really good pass blocking grade. And I think that the rest of this offensive line is going to do their damnedest to to run block. And I think that Jonah Jackson will, will by proxy, maybe get some good grades on that too. So um, I'm going to take the over. This is a tough one for me because I feel like, I feel like I need to temper everyone's expectations a little bit. I put out that, that semi snarky tweet this week saying like, you know, the, the five times in recent history in which Lions fans were like, finally, we have a running game after we drafted, you know, interior offensive linemen and running backs. We do it again. And everyone's like, this is it. Lions, they're finally committing to the run. Matthew Stafford's finally going to have all of his weapons, including a run game. Let's pump the brakes. This is, a, this is a third round pick. This is someone, you know, the fourth or fifth best interior offensive lineman in a class that wasn't that good. 
Jonah Jackson had a great year at Ohio State after transferring from Rutgers. That's a really good sign. The fact that you can take that jump in competition and, and do it seamlessly in, in one year, great. But this is a whole new ball game. This is a whole new scheme for him. Um, he's going to have new teammates, maybe not great teammates next to him, uh, depending on which side he's on. Um, I, I think I'm going to take the under. It is, and if he gets a 65 or something like, I mean, like I said, that's what Ragnow had in his rookie year. And granted, Ragnow was playing guard instead of probably his, his better position at center. Um, I just think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on starting one, maybe maybe two rookie guards. That's that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, and it's certainly going to be a downgrade from from Graham, who was, what, 74.1. So I'm going to take the under, but I do think he he's somewhere between 60 and 65. So not too far under. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It's going to be over, though. So, okay. Who's, I hope someone's writing these down so we can revisit them in 12 months or whenever the season's actually played. And whoever gets the most right gets to determine what the other person has to eat on stream. <laughs> that doesn't seem fair. I think it does. As long as it's like actually edible. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to have you eat any like a can of Lysol. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on to the other guard. The lines drafted Logan Stenberg. Start with starts. I have him at five over or under five starts for Logan Stenberg. It's rookie year. Mm, it's a finicky thing, right? It's a finicky thing, especially with the way that the lions like to treat their guards. <laughs> well, we'll get to um, that in a second. Yeah. So I'm going to say over. I think that this coaching staff is going to fall in love with this guy. And I think that he's just going to start from the jump. You think he's going to start week one? Yeah. Double down. Really? Maybe. Yeah. What are you give me like plus 400 odds on that? I'd put 20 bucks on it right now. E- easy. Easy. <laughs> Bobata yeah. King. I mean, said, hey. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Yes. This, this team likes Joe Dahl and Kenny Wiggins far too much. Unless those guys get injured. I don't think Logan's starting a game this year. I really don't. He he might he might be part of a guard rotation, but I just don't think he's ready. He comes from Kentucky, which was they all they did was run the ball. The guy isn't ready to pass block. It's going to take time, and with this off season probably shortened for rookies, no, 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 no. If 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 Logan Stenberg starts five games this year, the Lions are in trouble. That's bad news for them, in my opinion. Under, 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 under. You're all wrong, chat. You're all wrong. Just <laughs> only one person is with me in chat. I'm sorry. You're all wrong. Everybody else is with me, the winners. This is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit because I feel like I feel like everyone's just like, yeah, two new guards, we're fine. Woo! No, no, settle down. Rookies, they're rookies. One guy has never passed blocked in his life. No, he's not going to start five games. Take it to the bank. But take, take my check to the bank when I win. You won't. Uh, sticking with Stenberg, personal foul penalties over under two and a half. Over. <laughs> over. No. I mean, he's not going to start, so he's not going to get any unless unless they put him on special teams. He could very well injure someone. I was going to say, teams. hold on, come on. Those, those <laughs> plays are just as equally capable of resulting in personal fouls. <laughs> Everyone in chat is slamming the over on on two and a half personnel personal foul penalties. Uh, all right, since we're on guards, one more games with guard rotation. I think I may have set the over under a little too low at five and a half. 
five and a half games with a guard rotation in 2020 for the Detroit Lions. Hold on. I need to know what this, how do we determine it's a guard rotation? It's they, they're switching out their guards, not because of injury or poor play. They're just the scheduled thing that they were doing last year. Over. I hate this coaching staff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the fact that at this point, we don't really know who the starters are at either position tells me like, yeah, of course they're going to continue the guard rotation. Absolutely. And the way they defended it last year, I mean, none of the reasonings changed this year. So, yeah, chat, you're right this time. Unanimously saying over for, for the guard rotation. Well, I was going to say real quick, what the Lions have done is I know this is Marvel week and we should be talking about Avengers and superheroes and stuff. But like the Lions have truly like accumulated the mystery men group of guards. Like you don't know what you're going to get from any of these guys, like whether or not they're a rookie or they're a veteran, like you don't know. You have no idea. No idea what the Lions are going to get out of their guard play this year. (laughs) True. Underrated move, by the way, if, if it was mystery men week, I would have devoted the entire (laughs) podcast to that movie. Uh, But they tried to get us to do a a Marvel theme this week. And I was just like, no, not not (laughs) happening. Sorry. Uh, yeah no um (laughs) captain america we're not talking any what are they i almost said emerald stones but that's sonic (laughs) 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 uh quintus cephas by the way the lions drafted him in the fifth round quintus cephas um I have a feeling I know what everyone's going to say for this one, but I have his over under at 12 and a half catches his rookie year. My, my one point of reference here is Marvin Hall had seven catches last year in nine games before he got injured. Yeah. Uh, under, 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 under. Why? Because I said so. Because Alex is in the chat. That's why. No, I I just don't think that he has much of a role in 2020 or whenever the season gets played. I think that Danny Amendola is your slot receiver. Unless really bad things happen where Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay aren't playing football. I, why is Quintus Cephas on the field? Well, one person says over because of injuries, which fair point. I mean, injuries happen. Marvin Jones hasn't finished the season in the last couple of years. And Kenny Galladay has been blessed with with good health for his first couple of years, first three years in the season, pretty much. Although his rookie year, I think he had a, an ankle or something. Um, but yeah, this is what I was expecting from the chat. Just about everyone says over. Reno says exactly twelve catches. Someone says a thousand yards. Uh, Come on, temper expectations. <laughs> I mean, that's why I kind of set it so low, is because I I do feel. It, I, I said 12 and a half. So uh, Reno's technically taking the, the under there. Um, I, I'll, I'll take the over, but not much. I think, I think he he's right around 15 catches and I'm only kind of hedging my bets there because of a potential injury. I don't, I don't expect a big role for him this year. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him inactive on game days more often than not, but injuries happen. And, and, you know, by the end of the season, we could see him, you know, finish the, finish the year with a couple four catch games and, and get him over over 12 after after a few games so over but but not by much you all need to temper your expectations a little bit chad i know i know you're you're all hoping he gets 400 yards and then 50 catches it ain't happening 
Okay. So um, here, here's what I need every listener of the podcast to do right now. I need you to rewind this segment when we started talking about it and drink every single time that we say temper or temper expectations <laughs> and you'll have a great time. There you go. Actually, instead of doing that, finish listening the first time through, then download it and then listen. to it. <laughs> yes. That was better for our numbers. And what in between those, give us a review, give us a, uh, <laughs> Rate us, whatever. I don't know. Do what you want. You're such I'm an awesome dad. host. You're I'm the best dad. Host. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I am your mom, so go do it. Okay. Uh, Jason Huntley, running back. Now let's let's not go to over under right away. Let's talk about him and Ty Johnson. Not including kickoff return yards. Who has the most yards this year? Jason Huntley or Ty Johnson? Jason Huntley, because Ty Johnson isn't on the team. Mm. You think that's true? You think he beats him out? I think he does. Well, here, okay. I would put a greater chance on Ty Johnson making the team and Jason Huntley ending up on the practice squad than I would Ty Johnson getting cut and Jason mm-hmm. Huntley outright winning the job. Because I think Johnson. that's a really, I think that's a big job to win. In training camp. Um, Ty Johnson is also practice squad eligible, obviously only, uh, yeah. only a year in his deal. So it, it's possible that the lines want to keep both. Um, I don't think it's, it's likely that they keep both on the 53. So uh, I think your, your thinking is, is on the right track. Um, I think, I think we fall into this idea that new is always improved. So I'm not, I'm not immediately saying like Huntley's, He's he's in. He's way in over Ty Johnson. But like I said on last po- on the last podcast, it is worth noting that Jason Huntley is this offensive coordinator, is this running backs guy. They drafted him, whereas Ty Johnson, uh, well, no, Ty Johnson was their guy too. Never mind. I rewind it. It pretend you didn't hear that part. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean the fact that Jason Huntley was drafted means that they weren't completely happy with Ty Johnson. Correct. I mean, that's, that's a fair way to read what happened there, unless they were just going purely off their board and not needs based. Um, so I, I do think Huntley wins the job, but I do think it hasn't been decided yet. I do think they are going to have to show up in camp and it's going to be an interesting camp because they are kind of similar players and yes, temper your expectations for, for Jason Huntley <laughs> and drink. Yes. All right. Let's get to him. John Panasini. We're just setting the over under. We're not doing anything silly. Like you think we might over under games played four and a half. Over under four and a half. What games played games played. Mm, I'm going to have to take the under because I think he's a long shot to make the roster in the first place. Yeah. You think Atkins beats him out for the back of nose job? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I just said nose job. That was funny. That is funny. That's funny. <laughs> Especially in the segment where we're talking about John Penasini. No, no, I don't, I don't see where those two connect at all. <laughs> well, I can tell you how they connect. <laughs> wow. Chat is showing, showing some restraint here. Just about everyone's saying under here. Um, <laughs> showing I, restraint in, what, in, which, in which way? Showing restraint in which way? It, well, they're not showing it in the other way. Let's just say <laughs> okay. that. I'm not, I'm not reading some other comments. 
Uh, it's interesting. Like, I think he has as good of a chance to, to beat out John Atkins as I think uh, Hunley does Ty Johnson. I think they're, they're very close. Like Atkins didn't play well last year. And while I do think the coaching staff likes him being a, a run stuffing nose tackle doesn't require that much adjustment to the NFL, in my opinion, like, yes, you're going to have stronger, more athletic guys you're going against than you were at the college level. But I mean, Penicini was basically doing what the Lions exactly want him to do uh, at, at the at the professional level. So I think there's a chance he he wins out, but I I'm not betting on it. So I would probably take the under two, but I but I do think it's going to be close. And again, it's also an injury thing. If there's an injury that happens to either of those guys, he's gonna he's gonna play. Mm-hmm. He's their backup nose. He's their backup backup nose tackle. So. Um, you know, any any sort of injury happens, that guy's automatically in there and he's going to be part of the rotation because they're not a team that's going to run a nose tackle 90 percent of the time. That's that's not going to happen. Um, so I, I think I think there's a better chance than, than y'all are giving him chance, giving him a chance for. But uh, we'll see. All right. See. We've come to the last one. Jashan Cornell weeks spent on the 53 man roster. One and a half. <clears throat> over explain I don't want to <laughs> I don't have an explanation I don't just because he's part of the fraternity that is the Detroit Lions oh god <laughs> I've never wanted to kick you off this podcast more <laughs> even though I tweeted the exact same thing I died so hard when I tweeted that just to get the likes just, I I hoard myself out. There's no other way of putting it. <laughs> um, I'm taking the under. I don't think this guy leaves a practice squad as rookie year, even if there's an injury to the uh, the kind of interior exterior defensive lineman like the Sean Handroll. Uh, I think the Lions would would be wise to to get someone in, in free agency off off of waivers or something. I think Deshaun Cornell is a, a project. Um, while, while he certainly, you know, the, like you said, he does come from Ohio state and I do think the Lions like what they do there in terms of getting their guys pro ready. I don't think he's ready. I don't think he's, he's evolved into the kind of player he needs to be. I don't think he's close really. If I'm being honest, he could certainly become a rotational guy down the line. But if, if this guy is on the 53 at any point in 2020, I think something has gone wrong either a ton of injuries like last year with Deshaun hand and, and everything. And, and you know, Deshaun hand hasn't proven that he can stay healthy. So I get that part. But um, again, I think it would not be a wise decision to put him on the 53 at any point. Really? Um, he's, he's not, he's not ready. He's not ready. That's it. All right. That sounds like a much more well explained and well thought out <laughs> response than I gave <laughs> a little bit. Um, I got a bonus one because because we need to talk about TJ Hawkinson a little bit, right? His rookie year happened. It underwhelmed, especially with the way it started. But I think expectations are very high going into his second year. They need to be right. He's, he's an eighth overall pick. Mm-hmm. So over under 650 yards for TJ Hawkinson in his second year. I'm going to say under just because there's so many other weapons on the team. I that think is, that he, that's a big I, problem. 
Yeah, I think there's one football and there's Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola and Carrion Johnson and DeAndre Swift and Bo Scarborough. And I well, and hopefully Jesse James. Hopefully he catches a few passes too. <laughs> he might. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it, but he might. Um yeah, this is a tough one for me because I I I am very confident in him as a player based on what I've seen from his college tape, based on what I saw uh, at the beginning of the year, based on what I saw in training camp. And I know training camp is, is a lie and, and you probably shouldn't base too much on what you see in training camp, but I think he's, he's going to be a very, very, very good tight end in this league. And the question is, will he get the opportunities? Like you said, this team has a lot of weapons and now adding Deandre Swift to the list it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but you look 650. There were about, I'm trying to see about 10 There were nine tight ends last year who reached 650 yards. Is he better than Hunter Henry? No, he's the best tight end in the league. We established that a couple of years ago. Is he better than Jared cook? Probably not. Maybe, but Jared cook cooks getting up there. Tyler Higby. He's better than Tyler Higby, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Austin Hooper, Mark Andrews. Is he better than some of these guys? He better. I, the, the answer Wait, is, he is he better. Is, be. he, is he better or is he more utilized than those guys? That's the well, question. So far the answer is no, but, but I think, I think the answer needs to be yes. If you're drafting this guy eighth overall, he needs to be able to hit 650 yards easily. He and, to, and it's a run block for Deandre Swift. Okay. So you eat mozzarella sticks. Not going to happen. All right. That's over under everybody. I hope you had fun. Uh, everyone said over pretty much for TJ Hawkinson. We eh, mostly over, I should say not everyone. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see who's right in uh, however long a time it is for the Lions to finish the 2020 season, which um, remains to be seen. But this segment has finished segue. Wink. Uh, let's go to the mailbag. So when we come back, answering all your questions, you guys had a lot this week. We have a lot of different co- topics to cover, including the schedule, um, free agency to happen, all sorts of fun stuff. So stick with us. We'll be right back on the POD cast. Mailbag, mail time, mailbag, mailbag time. It's the mailbag. Hashtag SPOD any time of year, uh, any time of week, any time of day. I'm losing it. I'm I'm starting to hit a wall here. If you can't tell, <laughs> ask us questions about the lines or life or whatever you want. We'll we'll answer just about anything because that's what we're here for. Answering your questions. Um, let's start. Actually, I'm going to give you an option. Do you want to start with the food one? We started talking about some food during the break here. Do you want to start with a food one or do you want to talk camp battles? Let's start camp battles. Okay. So we already tackled Ty Johnson versus Jason Huntley, but let's talk about some other potential first year versus second year guys. We talked a little bit about Atkins versus Penasini too. So let's talk Fulgham and Hall versus Cephas. 
Mm, see, because I think we're I think we're all just kind of assuming Cephas is going to step into that wide receiver four spot. Is it? Is it a, a you know a, a okay? You're shaking your you're giving me the Matumbo. <laughs> During Jordan's last dance, I'm giving you the Matumbo right now. So here's <laughs> here's the reason why I don't think you're going to slot Cephas in as number four. It's not just based on talent, and I understand that. I think that he's going to have a very specified role with the team. But hey, so does Marvin Hall. He's the burner. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I think Fulgham has had a chance to develop for a year. Um, Mm -hmm. And we all know that the first season for rookie wide receivers can be quite a gauntlet. I mean, even for the guys who end up being really good, the first year can be a struggle. So I, I, I think that Marvin Hall has a more specified defined role. I think that Fulgham has a year underneath his belt. I think it's going to be kind of tough for Cephas to, to, to be wide receiver four. I think one of the things you also have to consider is special teams. And I've said it from the beginning. I don't right. see a ton of special teams value in Cephas. Not that I do necessarily in, in Fulgham or Hall either, but, um, you know, he, he's going to be in like the bottom five to 10 of the roster of the 53 man roster. And so to, to put himself over the top, he's going to have to kind of get down and dirty and, and be part of the special teams uh, units. And, and I don't, he might be capable of it. He may not be. Um, but I don't think we saw a lot of it in college. He, he'd be kind of not necessarily an awkward fit, but he, you know, he'd have to really prove his worth there. I think to, to necessarily get in that role for good. I do think he's a better player than, than Fulgham hall is a tricky one. Marvin hall obviously showed a lot of value last year with the deep ball. Um, and, and, you know, he, he has a certain amount of, uh, I mean, to, to say that he has a ton of chemistry with, with Matthew Stafford is probably a bit misleading since he only had, what, nine catches? Is that what we said before? Um, seven catches. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not like... I mean, he just he just made a very big impression with all seven of those catches. So, uh, I, I, I do think... I do think Hall's going to step in and and the lines are are probably going to keep five wide receivers. So that doesn't mean Cephas is going to be off the roster, but I I don't think he's going to step in and be wide receiver four. I think that's Hall. Hmm. All right. All right. Next question. Let's go to let's, let's go to Tony Brown, Brown underscore Tony one stick with kind of the camp battle theme very early. I know, but as of right now, which running back do you think it's the start week one? and then chance for more than one to be named the starter. So the only way that happens, if they go a two running back set to start the, the, the game, who do you think is the week one starter? Carry on Johnson. You do for, I don't want to say for obvious reasons, but I think that he is just more of the traditional first down back than Deandre Swift is. Yeah. And he, well, maybe he's, he's got a couple of years underneath his belt. He's still a super talented dude. I mean, let's, let's not, let's not conflate two things here real quick. One, it's totally possible that the Lions are going in a different direction when it comes to their running game, as evidenced by the fact that they drafted one with the 35th overall pick, and then they drafted two guards. That doesn't mean that carry on Johnson isn't talented. That doesn't mean that carry on Johnson can't serve a role. And that doesn't mean that carry on Johnson couldn't be the starter week one. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Actually, as much as, as hype as I was on Deandre Swift this entire podcast, I think the one thing we have to remember is just how slowly they took carry on Johnson along last time. 
And yeah. and now the Lions can really afford to take their time with DeAndre Swift because they have guys that are capable. Two guys that basically ran for 100 yards in, in games last year in, in Bo Scarborough and Carrion Johnson. But I know Bo Scarborough didn't technically get there, but he essentially got there. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Robo asks, is, is Bo a, a lock for the roster? Do you think he is? I don't think Bo is. I, a lot of people talk about Scarborough as being like a lock for the roster. I don't think he is even in the slightest, I think that he's going to have to really prove his worth because here's the thing about Scarborough. They have carry on Johnson. If they think that Deandre Swift could be a starter, potentially what, what, what can Bo Scarborough do that carry on Johnson can? Yeah. I mean, he's obviously a little more physical, but, in but, a how, team that, but how much more physical, you know what I mean? At what yeah. cost? And, I don't and, think he's a really good running back. He, the thing is, we don't really know, right? Like he was right. fine last year. He, he was kind of he was he was essentially like Zach Zenner his one good year. That one year where Zach Zenner back. had one good half against the Cowboys, and everyone thought he was the best running back in the league. Um, but Bo Scarborough is a very limited back, and that's something that I think we need yes. to talk about because this is a team that talks about versatility all the time. Carryon Johnson is a versatile guy; he can catch the ball, he can come out of the backfield. Um, DeAndre Swift is hella versatile. Um, Bo Scarborough. Probably not. Ty Johnson problem is is more. Ty Johnson brings special teams value. So does um, Jason Huntley. So does Jason Huntley. So um, I I think I think Scarborough makes a team, but I would not call him a lock by any means. Um, next question from Twitch Chat says, "Who gets the new contract first, Galladay or Decker?" Wow, that's a really good question. That is a really good question. First, well, first, do they both get new contracts this offseason? That's an even better question. <laughs> uh, mine right now. Um, I'm going to answer the first question, and I'm going to say that I think Kenny Galladay is the first person to get an extension between the two of those players. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that the Lions extend both of those players. I, I was I was a little wary, but like... I, I think so. I'm with you on both those accounts. I think, I think Galladay is, is the priority. Um, Decker is the second priority. Um, the one thing to note is that they really didn't draft either replacement this year. Like they wait until the fifth round to get Abcephas. So I don't think his job's in jeopardy at, at wide receiver one. And they didn't draft a tackle this year. They didn't really, they didn't add a tackle. Did they in, in all of free agency or, or the draft? So Decker's bye, job seems safe. Diet. Vitae, sorry, Vitae. Um, but so clearly not a left tackle. Right. Um, so, I mean, obviously the Lions could draft a left tackle next year's draft and, and start over, but the way the only way they're going to get a good one is if they fail this year, and this coaching staff isn't planning on failing this year. So um, I think Decker gets a deal as well. Hopefully it's not quite as big as some of the left tackle deals we've seen recently, but um, he's – Left tackles get paid, so it's going to be pricey. And I see some people talking about the, the Lions uh, cap space. The one thing to remember, though, in all these extensions is a lot of times that first year is actually cut in cap hit. So it might even be a less hit for, for Taylor Decker, who's on kind of an expensive last year of his rookie deal here. Um, and same with same with Galladay. So it might actually create cap space this year, but cost him on the back end. Mm. <laughs> Um, next question. Let's, let's go to food as I tease in the front. What is your go-to dessert? Asked the appropriately named albino coconut. Yeah. Okay. 
go to, I think my go-to dessert is peanut butter and chocolate. Anything. <laughs> it's a great combo. Like, I don't, I don't care if it's a mousse. I don't care if it's a pie. I don't care if it's cake. I don't peanut butter and chocolate. Anything is just chef kissy fingers. Shout out perfect. <laughs> yeah. A, a chocolate peanut butter pie is, has got to be up there. Yeah. I'm I'm very much a pie person in general and I'll I'll jump right into this argument if I have to because cheesecake is a pie and it's my favorite dessert. I don't care what kind of cheesecake it is. It's delicious. You want to throw strawberries on top? Great. You want to make it a a classic New York cheesecake? Great. I'm in. Any sort of cheesecake is is just it's creamy. It's sweet, but not too sweet. It's not like crazy rich. Mm, it's just perfect. There's there's nothing nothing so like delicate and delicious as a cheesecake. What if it's a chocolate peanut butter cheesecake? Let's do it. Let's combine forces here and create the the megazord of desserts. Just use the word megazord. That's that's the kind of service you get here on the POD cast. I love that. <laughs> Uh, let's talk Jersey numbers. Frozen Lion asks, CD Lamb is going to wear 88 for the Dallas Cowboys. How would you feel if either of our running backs decided to wear 20? All right. A few takes. One, first of all, don't you think it's really weird that Jerry Jones forced him to wear number 88 when he wanted to wear number 10? Is that what happened? I didn't. I don't even know about this story. So he was number 10 at Oklahoma and he was going to wear number 10, but... At Jerry Jones' request, he's wearing number 88, which is Michael Irvin's number. Weird. Yeah, I mean, weird, but not that weird by Jerry Jones' standards. Yeah, that's so true. That's so <laughs> Second thing, I really don't like retiring jerseys. I think it's one of the okay. dumbest things we do in sports. So I have no problem with DeAndre Swift wearing number 20. I think that teams go about it all the wrong way. I think that I think soccer has it right. So like when there's like a really prolific soccer player who wears a number, like for the rest of that club's existence, like getting that number is a really big deal. And yeah. they treat it as kind of like, like almost ceremonious. Yeah, it's, like, it's like the one at Michigan, right? I don't know if every yeah, other they did no. number 98, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would I would agree with that point if there wasn't already a precedent set. But now that the president set like 20 is his it's not even just Barry Sanders. Like that's that's a historic number here in Detroit. And yeah, no, like as a rookie, you no. Like maybe, maybe you have to earn it, like like you said. But if DeAndre Swift is like, give me 20 or I'm not signing my rookie contract, like I'm trading his rights then. Oh, Get the hell out of here. Get out of here. You're crazy get the heck out of here no way he can wear yeah he can wear 20 i don't care what number he wears as long as he's running the football in the end zone if if we drafted him in the fifth round i would have been okay with it but since we drafted him in the second he's already got got one strike against him one yeah (laughs) guy is on thin ice all right let's talk schedule release that's coming up in this week supposedly so jay jones asks what away game would you most want to spend a weekend at? Which home game do you think will be Thanksgiving? And how many touchdowns will Tom Brady throw in that Thanksgiving game? Hint, hint. 
Uh, <laughs> rude. First of all, rude. Do you want me to go down the away game for that first question? Yeah, do that. Okay. At Cardinals, at Falcons, at Panthers, at the NFC North teams, at Jacksonville, at Tennessee. At Cardinals? Mm hmm. That's an option. At Cardinals. Is that your answer? That's at Cardinals? Answer. Yeah. Hmm. Why that? You just like it? Glendale? I feel like the Lions always kind of play well there. Okay. All right. I, I, I've seen them twice in Arizona and I've seen them lose both times. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I just got unlucky, but I think, I think Atlanta is the easy answer for me. Really? New stadium. I've, I've never really spent time in Georgia. I know, I know Atlanta has good and bad things to it, but like, it seems like that's a really fun environment to be in and cheap concessions too, right? Oh yeah. That's a great point. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I, I just like Arizona as a city. It's really, really clean. Arizona's not a city. Arizona as a state. <laughs> uh, um, Green Bay is a close second because I still haven't done the Lambo thing, but Green Bay is a city. <laughs> yep. Good job, buddy. Proud of you. Um, since since there was already Brady talk, Mickey Free asked, who wins more games this year? The Belichick led Patriots or the Brady led Buccaneers? <sighs> the Stidham led Patriots. <laughs> the Stidham led Patriots. <laughs> The Cam Newton led Patriots. Oh, hey, don't do that to me. Because <laughs> that has 13 and 3 written all over it. <laughs> um, At this point, like, what else? That I feel like that's just like that's the last puzzle piece that has to ha- happen. You think so? I'm, where else is he going to go? Jacksonville? I mean, he could, what about the Chargers? They just drafted a dude. That doesn't mean he needs to start. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, I think that the Buccaneers might disappoint in the same way that the Browns sort of disappointed. Yeah. Huge huge collection of talent. Brady's getting older. He's not getting younger. Was he 40? 45? 4,500? Are you... you, Are we playing dead or alive in the backyard right now? Maybe. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm kind of with you that I think Tampa Bay could fall, fail spectacularly. Um, and I'm kind of hoping for it a little bit. I don't really, I don't know why, but I don't like Tampa Bay. Maybe it's leftover from the NFC Central days, but I just don't like them. And it's, I'm cer- certainly don't like Tom Brady. I don't care if you're in Michigan. Right, and they didn't bring back the creamsicles. You know what? That's probably what it is. I'm still there pissed that go. they didn't bring back the creamsicles. <laughs> you nailed it. All right, let's talk free agency. We had a ton of questions on free agency because people look at that extra cap space the Lions have and they're like, gimme Jadavion Clowney. So at Twin Cities, Chris asked, why not Jadavion Clowney? It just, he probably wants to play for a contender. I believe he specifically said that too. Oh, well, 
there's that, but also, I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem if the lions could throw a bunch of money at a player and get him to sign, then it feels like that would have already been done. So right. I just, I don't think it's a money thing. Yeah. And I, I believe he's also looking for like 20 million a year. And I know people are just like, well, then just sign him to like a one or two year deal. Give him all that money up front while we have it. It's just like, okay, yeah, that sounds great on our part. But what about Jadavion Clowney makes you think that that deal? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and honestly, like, well, you can, you never you can never have too many pass rushers. Like where does he fit in? And like, are you bumping someone else you're paying a lot or you've invested a lot in off the roster just for this guy for a year or two? Are you, are you delaying Julian Aquara's development because of him? Is that a good idea? I mean, I, I love ha- the idea of having someone like that on the team, but the cost doesn't make a ton of sense. The fit doesn't make a ton of sense. I just don't think it's going to happen. And, and everyone needs to just prepare themselves for that at this point. It doesn't make sense or sense. Got it. Like smell? I don't like you right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, bring back Jim Schwartz asked, what are the Lions needs right now? Who's out there that's still a good scheme fit? And what is BQ going to do with his cap surplus in his final year? In his final year. Rude. If, if this was truly, if, if Bob Quinn felt like his back was against the wall, don't you think he would do something like, all right, well, I got all this money, Jadavion Clowney, boom, or Everson Griffin, boom. Like, No, no, I don't think GMs operate that way. Even if they think like their backs are against the wall, like I don't think they, they act in extreme fashion for the present, putting the future aside. I don't think GMs operate that way. I don't think they think that way. I don't think Bob Quinn is entering this year thinking, well, this is my last year. Better just buy everything. That's true. It's almost like the inverse of John Elway, where he thinks he can just keep on drafting quarterback after quarterback because <laughs> he has all the time in the world. Yeah. Um, to answer the first part of this question, I just think Mike Daniels is such a slam dunk. Like he seemed yeah. like he was all gung ho to play for Matt Patricia. And if that's the case and he's healthy, why not give him an incentive laden contract? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's certainly their biggest need, right? Is defensive tackle. And I think you could argue whether they need a run stuffer or uh, a pass rusher or someone who can do both. Ideally, someone who can do both, but I, I I would say pass rushing is probably more on the end of the spectrum in, in terms of need from the interior. Um, they don't really have a lot there, so yeah, I think Mike Daniels is is the easy answer. Um, <clears throat> we've talked a, a couple times about Marcel Darius; he's kind of more on the run stuffing end of the spectrum. Um, but you know, you're you're not going to get someone great at this point in free agency. They're 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 there for a reason. Sometimes it's injury, and and the fact that Teams haven't really been able to do physicals all that easily. Probably has something to do with that as well. But I, I think defensive tackles where you need to circle, and and Mike Daniels is the one that makes the most sense. You just got to hope he stays healthy. You got to hope he can come back on the cheap. But he he checks every box that they need right now. So makes a lot of sense. Uh, thanks, Zeus, for just sending me a DM of me saying Arizona is such a clean city. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Well, let's let's go over. Maybe this one's more up your alley. Let's go back to food talk from Slick Rick three three one seven. Ask if you could have only one 
alcohol beverage the rest of your life, what would it be? And if it's a beer, pick a brand. Oh boy. Uh, if I could only have one beverage. So this is really weird because the other day I had Sprite zero for the first time and it is just as good as normal Sprite. And I never thought that I would be diet soda or zero calorie soda drinking person, but (laughs) I'm, I'm dangerously treading towards becoming that person. And I think that's the worst version of myself. I really do. I think it's even worse than Ryan, not knowing geography version of myself. (laughs) Just imagine those two together. Nightmare. Uh, train wreck don't know where you're going and you're probably gonna get type 2 diabetes (laughs) well thank you for that bit of information but that doesn't answer the question at all (laughs) miller light (laughs) miller light what yeah Yeah. uh i can drink a hundred of those well that tells me all i need to know about why you drink (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what was i gonna say shirley temple it's not even an alcoholic drink pina colada what do you want me to answer with dude whiskey sour is my drink i love a whiskey sour i could just sip on that forever have you ever had one with an egg white in it yeah it's amazing it's really good it's, it's life changing it's so like yeah if you get a legit whiskey sour like that so good and and Shout out to Chris. Moscow Mule is also high on my list because extremely refreshing and it could get you messed up. Like if you're not careful, Moscow Mule will mess you up. I do like a good Moscow Mule. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad you shared that with us. All right. Last question we're going to answer. We've had I've had a couple people ask me about this, so I, I kind of wanted to address it. Um, they're talking about the supplemental draft and how if the college season is canceled, are we suddenly going to see a huge influx of players trying to get into the supplemental draft? Are we going to see teams take a chance on a bunch of supplemental draft guys? I think the answer is no. And that's because you, the eligibility to be a supplemental draft guy are taken on a case by case basis. And I don't think if the college season is canceled and the NFL goes forward with it, they're going to just open up the floodgates for everyone who would have entered the 2021 draft to, to come in to the 2020 supplemental draft. You basically have to have your eligibility status change from the NFL draft to this time. And I don't think missing out on your college football changes anything on that. Um, so a lot of people are just asking about that. I, it would be dangerous i think because if you think of like all the ramifications of letting in a ton of people into the supplemental draft that means your sixth and seventh round rookies are getting pushed further and further down the roster they might not make it they, they might not make the team they might not even make the practice squad which means those sixth and seventh rounders aren't going to develop anywhere no one's going to come in and, and potentially grow into a second or third year guy it just doesn't make a lot of sense and there, there's been a lot of speculation there's no definitive answer of what's going to happen with the supplemental draft but I don't expect it to be much different this year. I'd be surprised. Anything to say on the supplemental draft, Ryan? No, I think you just did an awesome job of answering the last mailbag questions. Thank you. Appreciate that, buddy. And thanks for joining us for this POD cast. I hope you'd enjoyed it. If you did make sure you go to iTunes or whatever you're listening to us, give us a review, give us five stars. We'd appreciate it. We're going to start reading reviews again. 
So put in a little extra effort. You got the time. We all got a little bit of extra time. So why not reach out to the people that give you entertainment and show them you appreciate them? Because we appreciate you guys. Just like we appreciate all of our Twitch chat that was here for the entire podcast. Just like I appreciate Ryan doing a little wave with his hands right now. He's trying to distract me during my outro because I'm probably going to mess it up like I always do. But I'm not going to. Thank you everyone for joining us. I think we're going to have a midweek podcast. I'm just, this is just a feeling. We, we don't actually have any plans, but I think we're going to have one. So make sure you're on the lookout for that. Ryan's pointing to himself like he's out probably. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. He's in. There we go. We've got a commitment. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss that episode. And then always 8 p.m. Sundays on our Twitch channel, live POD cast. Join us then. Join us whenever you can. You guys have a good night. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.